0: Welcome to AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get support and guidance through the chaos of parenting. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. Today, I'm going to be talking about how to handle it when things are going well. (laughs) Doesn't that seem like a bizarre topic, but it's actually a really good one. Because sometimes when our kids are doing well with their anxiety or OCD, we start to panic and start to wonder how long is this going to happen? How long is this going to go on? And we start to wait for the other shoe to drop. I am completely guilty of this and it's an ongoing struggle for me. And I know it's an ongoing struggle for a lot of you as well. And somebody actually contacted me and asked me for some help with this topic And I said, oh my gosh, that's such a good topic. I'm going to do it next week. (laughs) So this is for you. I won't say her name, but the person who contacted me, who's going through this, because I resonated so much with her own struggle before we get started, though, I always like to give you an update on what is going on in the AT parenting survival world. Not much. We're just getting ready for the holidays. Busy, busy. And I am getting ready to do my first in-person interactive live workshop. Gulp. (laughs) I have progressed with my social anxiety. For some reason, doing like large events online don't scare me anymore, but in-person workshops, that's a new challenge. And I'm actually very excited. And I'm not nervous about that part of it, um, which is a real big change for me. So if you are in the Arizona area and you want to join me, you can. The interactive workshops are going to be. I'm partnering up with Dr. Allison Solomon, who is one of the leading experts in anxiety and OCD. I uh, love working with her. I've worked with her on cases before, and we have. Um, she's in. She's been in Arizona. Lived in Arizona, so we overlap a lot, and we want to join forces and create workshops and boot camps and collaborate and, uh, use both of our knowledge together, magnify it. Right. We actually presented in the international OCD foundation. We did a kid's workshop together. That was the first time we worked together professionally and it went really well. And so we thought we should partner again. So I think this is the first of hopefully many to come, but if you are in the Arizona area and you're available January 2nd, we are doing two interactive workshops. One will be for kids between the ages of nine and 12 seats are limited for that. And then we're going to do a second workshop that day. And it's going to be just for parents and for parents who are raising kids of any age with anxiety or OCD. And those are two totally separate workshops, but they're all going to be the same day. So people can sign their kids up for one and they can sign up for the other one, uh, whatever people want to do. So if you're interested in that, you can go and check it out at bit.ly slash phoenix workshop 19. That's bitly B-I-T l y slash all one word, lowercase phoenix workshop 19. If you are lazy like me, you can just text me and just text the word all one word at workshop and text that to 44222. And I will send you over the registration link so you can check it out. So if you are enjoying these podcasts, don't forget to hit subscribe so that you can get notified when they come out. They come out every Tuesday, but you might miss it. So subscribe and you won't forget. All right, we're going to dive into today's topic, and I want to talk about when things are going well. I don't think I've done a podcast episode on this, and it really resonates with me because right now... Did you hear that? That was me knocking on my wood desk. <laughs> Knock on wood. My kids are doing pretty good. I mean, we have had some bumpy roads, but right now, things seem really manageable. And I would have to say for the last sixteen years, because my oldest is sixteen, there's always been one kid that's been on fire since I've had kids. And so I've never really had a time. I guess that's kind of sad to think about, but I've never really had a time where, all three are doing pretty good. And maybe that's partly because of my own mindset shift and how I look at things. And, you know, I see the lemonade out of the lemons and the rainbows out of the rain, but things are going pretty good. And I am an anxious person. I'm a recovering anxious child. And it's hard to not constantly work on my own anxiety on when will the other shoe drop? Do you feel that way? Do you have like, when your kids are doing well, you're kind of like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen tomorrow? What's going to happen next year? How long will this last? When will the other shoe drop? Right? I mean, I think that we're all somewhat traumatized by the things that we go through parentally with our kids. It is very traumatizing. So I want to talk about how you reframe your thinking, because if we are constantly, waiting for something bad to happen. One, we really miss out on the opportunity of soaking up the good. And we shouldn't have to wait for all things to quiet down, to soak up the good. We should be able to soak up the good, even during those hard times, because there's always something good to look at. It's really mindset. Like we can always see the The positive in the day, even if you have a child who is completely debilitated, just having a child that doesn't have, you know, something else going on with them, you know, whether it's a terminal illness, God forbid, or something really horrific. I, I can always say it could be worse. Even when it's really bad, I can say it could be worse and I can find some gratitude in what I have. That does help me in the darkest of times. But it especially helps me in the light times because it's easier to be grateful because there's so much to be grateful for. So, one thing I recommend is sometimes keeping a journal when you're going through hard times so that you can realize how far you've come. One thing that we have often is what I like to call parental amnesia. And so, when our kids are doing better, we tend to forget how far they've come. We remember like it was bad and we remember we don't want it to be bad again, but we forget how much our children have overcome and how many things they can do that they couldn't do before. So I have started to like, keep a very quick note on my iPad with the highlights of any new themes and anxieties that my kids are having. And when things are going well, sometimes I'll revisit that not as a trigger, but as a celebration. And I'll say, look at all these things that they couldn't do before. And it, it uplifts me because I realize that a lot of those things on the list won't ever happen again. Like they're way too far ahead that they would never go back that far. So some things that can help are also staying, staying in the moment. And I talk about this a lot, Um, If you caught my three-part video series on self-care for parents who are raising kids with anxiety and OCD, I did spend quite a long time on this topic of our perceptions because our perceptions really shape our reality. So we can have everything going pretty well. And we live in a world where our children are still debilitated. We live in a world where our children are still fragile and we don't adapt. We don't pivot to allow them to grow and to celebrate their successes. We don't do that on purpose. It's just, it's really trauma. We are, we're frazzled and it's hard to recover from the things that we go through as parents when our kids have you know, pretty extreme anxiety and OCD issues. So staying in the now is really helpful. So when your mind goes to that what-if place, that catastrophizing kind of mentality that we all can get into. You really want to be your own gatekeeper. And I see this a lot in my practice. I see this a lot in the AT parenting community where parents will talk a lot about the struggles they're going through. And a lot of them will be talking about things that haven't happened yet. they are things that they're worried might happen. And if we always live in the future and we never live in the present, We miss those opportunities to one, celebrate our child and where they're at. And we miss the opportunity to soak up our kids because they're more than their anxiety or OCD, right? So I probably every single day go to a what if place and probably every single day I catastrophize on some level, you know, my anxiety is better than it's ever been you know, my social anxiety was probably debilitating. I didn't even realize it was debilitating because I told myself stories and lies that covered up my social anxiety. You know, I'm just an introvert. I just don't people well, you know, and I, and I made excuses until I realized, wow, I actually have like a clinical disorder, but my brain is still wired to be anxious, uh, to the point where like when I go and throw the recycle out in my garage door and I open it, like I always have an intrusive thought that someone's there choking me. It's so bizarre, right? So I open the door and like, I have that thought and then it goes away. I have that probably like a zillion times a day. Well, maybe that's an exaggeration. I have a lot. And I'm sure anyone who who is listening, who has anxiety has that, where you have just these intrusive thoughts of something bad happening to you all the time, right? And sometimes that overlaps and it goes into our kids as well where we'll see our kids doing something and we can get an upsetting image in our head of it not going well and less of a spontaneous visual. Like the ones that I get sometimes are just like spontaneous, you know, like I see a car hitting me or I see someone hurting me and it's not based in reality. It's just my anxious brain just, you know, saying, hello, I love you. Why don't you talk to me anymore? So But sometimes when I see my kids doing things, I can see that as well with them. And a lot of times those are just memories of what has happened or could happen again. And we want to be our own gatekeepers and say, no, what's happening right now. So I actually have to catch those thoughts. And I recommend that you start to pay attention to your thoughts. We want to not be victim to our thinking. And so I have had to learn to be very cognizant of the thoughts that I have. I'm like the thought police in my own head and not in a bad way, but in a, in a, in a safety, comforting, nurturing sort of way. Like I've got my own back and I'm protective of my brain. And so when I have thoughts that come in, I get to choose how long I'm going to sit with those. And I get to choose whether I'm going to grow them or I'm going to shrink them, or I'm going to ignore them. And that's what I teach kids as well. So when I get a thought that says, Oh my gosh, what's going to happen when he's 15? You know, what if, what if all those issues come back? I'm aware of that. I'm alerted by my thinking police. And then I say, I reframe it and I say, what's happening right now? Oh, you know what? Today he's eating really well. He's on his second piece of pizza and he's doing really well. And he went to school today and he has a friend and he said it was a good day. And he hasn't had any OCD issues today. I haven't seen anything. I haven't seen any anxiety. And so we're doing okay today. So let's just go back to today. So I actually talk to myself (laughs) in that way to anchor myself back to today. I don't allow myself to sit in those fantasies for too long. And that doesn't come natural. My brain wants to daydream. My brain wants to play that reel of what's going to be happening you know, the movie reel of all the what ifs and we can allow that to happen and we can grow it or we can be aware of it and we can try to catch it when they do happen, because ultimately it will impact our parenting. So I want to talk about that because when we love our kids, but we are so nervous that they're going to have a hard time, we tend to parent differently So we don't allow our kids to have experiences out of the comfort, out of their comfort zone, because we worry that it might set them back. What if it causes all their issues to come back? So sometimes we treat them with kids gloves and that's not a good thing because we want them to grow. And if we cocoon them from, because of the past, then we're not giving them the opportunity to expand and grow. And that's super hard. Because a lot of times I, I can't even stomach it. Like I'm so nervous about seeing something happen that, you know, I have to pass it off to my partner and being aware of what you can't handle and what you can handle is a really good thing because we don't want to convey to our kids that they don't, they don't have this, right? We give off an energy, whether we are speaking or acting in a certain way. We can't hide our emotions. A lot of times parents will say, I can fake it, but you can't fake it because your kids can pick up on it. Kids with anxiety and OCD are incredibly intuitive and they're emotional sponges. And so even if you don't say anything, but you're nervous, you're anxious for them to do something that maybe in the past they couldn't do, or you're nervous. That's, you know, that's the first sign of many signs to come that they're not doing well again. They will pick up on that. And those moods are contagious because if we don't believe in our kids, they don't believe in themselves. And so it's a vicious cycle. Now that's not to make you feel guilty. It's to make you aware of it. And so one, you do your own work. We have to do our own work as parents to really bring it back. And like I said, police our thoughts, reframe our thinking and stay in the now, right? Easier said than done, but it's an ongoing everyday situation. exercise. There's not a day that goes by that. I don't reframe my thinking and bring me back to the now seriously every day, but that's because I have an anxious mind. So I can't control what initial thought I have because my brain is going to present that to me, but then I get to choose what I do with it. Do I want to ignore it? Do I want to grow it? Do I want to reframe it? I get to choose that. I also get to know when I am going to be triggered. And if I'm going to be triggered, Luckily, I have a partner who I can hand the baton to and say, tap me out of this. Now I'm using two different analogies. Are we in track or are we in wrestling? I don't know, but I can say, I can't do this. Can you do it? And and I'm very fortunate because he's a rock and he's not triggered for the things that I am and vice versa. So we are a good yin and yang. And recently my son, who's 10, Mr. 10, has okay, so he has a whole history of ARFID, which is avoidant restrictive food intake disorder, um, which is just a really fancy name for his intrusive thoughts around food and his OCD. And he's been doing really, really well lately. Like, I'll have to go back and look at my like little to do list chart of when he wasn't doing well because I forget, but he's been doing so well that I've just been on the eye lookout for like any. New signs of anxiety or OCD, and I'm going to talk in a minute about how to do that without uh, being stressed out and being uh, anxious about it. but he was getting a an expander in his mouth, and I was so worried about it, and I was more worried than he was, and I projected all my anxiety onto the situation, and I was trying to be really careful not to project it onto him, and I actually think I did a good job, which is a miracle because I was very, very worried about it because he finally got over his fear of the dentist. And so, um, that was pretty awesome. And even the, like the dentist office wrote him a letter and said, we're so excited. you you know, your anxiety seems so much better, which I thought was very nice and, and considerate. And I didn't want to ruin things for him. So when they talked about the expander, even that I was overwhelmed. I thought, oh my gosh, you're going to put something in his mouth that, is going to make him feel like he's choking. That's one of his core fears and it's pokey. And I know it's going to sound really weird, but like one of his core fears is being poked. So he had a major fear of shots, needles, cacti. We live in Arizona. So there's a lot of them and like people poking at his stomach to the point where he would have to cover his belly button all the time. So like very OCD intrusive type of thoughts, and they're going to put this contraption in his mouth. That's going to like poke him like, 24 seven and make him feel like he's choking and it will make him not be able to eat joy. <laughs> I was like, you gotta be kidding me. If you could wrap up like all of his anxiety themes in one contraption, this thing covered all of them. So I was super anxious about it because I thought first they're going to ruin his ability to go to the dentist because he's going to have to get these molds, you know, for the contraption, the appliance, and then He's not going to be able to eat. He's going to feel like he's choking. Um, I just thought it was going to be a total nightmare, but guess what? Those were all my thoughts. Those were all my what ifs. That was me catastrophizing. That was me not reframing. That was me not being hopeful. And so at least I had the wherewithal to not um, verbally or openly share this with him. He was very excited at the dentist when the dentist told him he was going to get this appliance in his mouth. And I thought in my head, you have no idea idea what they're about to do to you, you would not be excited. But he liked the idea of getting braces. It's kind of like a coming of age kind of thing. He was excited. And, and I privately told the dentist, um, I don't think this is going to work. I don't think he'll be able to survive the molds. And I even didn't pay. They, they postponed me paying for it until after he got the molds done because I was so positive that he wouldn't be able to do it. And he came out of the appointment and he was like, okay, let's go. And I'm like, wait, did you get the mold? And I didn't go back with them. Um, they don't normally have you go back anyway, but they did ask me, do you want to go back with him? And I knew that my anxiety, even if I didn't say anything, and even if I put on a brave face, it can be felt, it can be felt. Our kids can feel it. And so I said, you got this. You're doing so good. And he didn't want me to come back. He didn't really care. He was like so relaxed. So he went back there and, um, the hygienist was like, yeah, sometimes we think it's a good idea that parents wait out here and you have to really be able to gauge whether you're going to be a hindrance or a help to your child. Even if you fake it, they can feel it. Right. So he came back and he had no problem. So that was crazy. Number one. And then he, he had this appliance in his mouth and he started to panic when he got home, he started to feel like he couldn't breathe. He was kind of having like a mini panic attack. And inside I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this is the beginning of the end. We need to go back to the office. They have to get this thing out of his mouth, you know, but outwardly I'm like, let's just get some water. Let's just go on, you know, go watch the, your iPad. Let's go watch a movie. You're just going to, your mouth just has to get used to it. So I'm saying all the good things, but I am not really, I wasn't being a good gatekeeper of my own thoughts, right? Cause I'm thinking this is a disaster And then the first day he couldn't eat anything. And I was freaking out because I thought he is already super underweight. He's never really gotten back his weight from um, his issues with OCD around eating. He's never been a really big eater and he's super skinny and like super skinny kids kids run in my family anyway. And so that's just part of the deal, but he is like emaciated and so he just does not have five pounds to lose. So I completely panicked. I panicked so much that I actually posted in my Facebook group that of fourteen thousand parents who are so supportive to each other, uh I very rarely reach out to get my own help and I asked, does anybody have any help or insight how you help your child with these expanders in their mouth so that he can eat? And for those of you that are in my Facebook group and who responded, I want to thank you. It felt really nice to get all the support to me. You know, like I'm so used to dishing out support that it was like really cool to to feel the love in that group pouring towards me and giving me suggestions. And it, it actually made me feel so much better. And it made me feel good about having this group because I thought, gosh, now I get it. Like when you're in a bind, it's nice to hear from other parents who have been in the same situation. So if you're not in my group, you should join it because there are a bunch of nice people in there. And within two days, he was eating totally normal, which is a miracle. He's just, he's resilient. He like, he figured out how to get the food that gets stuck in his appliance out. He makes this really obnoxious hacking sound, but hey, if that's what he needs to do to to eat, I can handle it. But in the office, they showed me how to like, tighten this uh, expander. You have to tighten it every day. For those of you that are going through this, it's not fun. Right. And I almost had a panic attack doing it because I was choking him and he was panicking and I was panicking. And I thought, yeah, I'm not going to do this ever again. So I went home and I said to my husband, there's no way I can do this because I'm too nervous and he can sense it. And then he gets nervous because you know, when someone's doing something to you and they don't see, feel solid about it, it's not a good thing. And so my husband's like, no problem. I'll do it. And he's been doing it ever since. And my son is like so casual about it and everything is fine. That's the whole point of my story is that I built up all this worry and all this energy. Your brain doesn't know whether it's in the future or it's current. When we are living in a stressed environment, whether it's induced by our thoughts and our what-ifs or our reality, our brain doesn't know the difference. So all that stress That I was creating never actually happened, but I lived it. It was a wasted few days because I lived it and I didn't need to. And it's the same thing for you. All the things that you're worried about, you don't know if they're going to happen or not. I am consistently surprised by my kids. I am consistently surprised by what they can handle and what they can do. So I'm sure your kids are the same way. It serves no purpose to worry about what will be, Because most of the time, what you think will be will be completely inaccurate. You just don't know. And so why elongate whatever might be happening or whatever will happen by making it happen now in your brain? Because your brain will process it like it's already happened. The chemicals, the cortisol, the adrenaline, the things that happen when we are stressed will happen even just with those thoughts. And so your brain does not need that. Your child doesn't need that. So I would say you really want to be very aware of what your thoughts are. And I always call it back-burnering it. So if there's something I'm worried about that isn't happening in the next week, depending on what it is, um, like this appliance wasn't happening for like three months. So I didn't worry about it until I got closer to the day or next school year. Sometimes my brain will worry about next school year for my daughter. Like, oh gosh, what kind of teacher will she get? She really needs to get a certain type in order to do well. Well, I don't know that. That's a story I'm telling myself. I don't know the future miss eight-year-old, right? Because the miss eight-year-old that I have today is not the miss seven-year-old I had last school year. They are completely different. Uh, She has done so much better. So I can't worry about miss 8 for next year, because I haven't met the new miss eight and you don't know your future child. And so you're basing the future on your old child. And that's not fair because your child's growing every single day. So a lot of this is just mindset reminders and being able to reframe your thinking and bring it back to what's going on currently in your life. Instead of worrying about the future, the only things we need to worry about are the things that are coming up that we have to pave the way. So if I'm worried about the school year for next year, and I need to start doing a 504 process, um, for those that are in the States, you know, if I need to start creating a 504 plan, okay, I'm going to have to do that in the, you know, now so that it impacts the future. But there's a lot of things that we worry about that aren't relevant, that we don't need anything. We don't need to do anything for, but yet we're still ruminating and obsessing about it and struggling. And then we're not able to soak up our kids. So I would redirect your energy and focus on the things that you love about them that are not anxiety or OCD related, get into activities that your child loves to do with you that are not anxiety and OCD related, see it as a break, right? And to circle back to what I was going to say before, you don't want to hide your head. You don't want to bury your head in the sand and not look for new anxiety or OCD themes, but you want to file them away and, and not grow them or germate them into like these very heavy things. You just want to file them away. And that is a good thing to do, but you just have to be very cautious about how you do it. So like with my son, I'm noticing a couple of things that seem somewhat OCD related. He will tell me they're not, and I'm just watching him and I'm observing him. I'm not over-processing with him. I'm not trying to discuss it with him all the time. I'm just noting it because It's something that maybe we'll revisit in the future. Maybe not. I jot it down in my little notebook thing, and then I let it go because currently today, it's not a problem. Yes, maybe it's a little bizarre. Yes, it's something a little concerning, but it's not a big deal today, right? So I don't wanna be ignorant and blind and say, I can't look at anything that can be anxiety or OCD related or a new theme popping up because I don't wanna upset myself. I don't wanna be ignorant in that way because turning the other way is, is not being very proactive, but on the flip side, I don't want to live in those moments. I don't want to live in the the possible symptoms of tomorrow when I'm just seeing an inkling of what they might be today, because a lot of times they fizzle out and they don't turn into full-blown issues. And a lot of times to say a lot of times, again, kids will do really, really poorly for a period of time. And then when they, they build and they learn their skills, each time they hit a bump, they tend to do better. That's what I'm noticing in my family. It's what I notice in my practice is that kids are resilient. And every time they hit a bump, more, more skills are built, more understanding is gained and more resilience is found. And so every time they hit a bump, they tend to get over it quicker and easier than they did before. So it's very rare for it to get as bad as it did the first big time that you had the huge struggle that normally gets people very concerned. So there's always your outliers, but that's what I normally see in my practice and with my kids. So I hope that helps. I want you to enjoy the holidays. I don't want you to be stressed and worried about something that doesn't even exist right now. So go hug your kids and celebrate them and do something totally unrelated to anxiety or OCD and enjoy this reprieve because it is a journey. It's their journey. And that's something I remind myself all the time about. I often worry about, you know, one of my kids being bullied and I'll worry about how they're doing. And then I think, you know what I did. Okay. I had all those issues. Those things happened to me. And those made me turn into a better person. Those, those things that happened to me as a child, make me a good therapist. They make me a good mom. They make me a good human being because I had to go through those to empathize with people. I had to go through those to build my skills and to become a better human being. And in my darker times, I remind myself that about my kids, that I can't cocoon them from every, every bump. And those bumps are going to make them stronger and better as human beings. And, and I should give them the benefit of the doubt that they are resilient and that they're going to be okay. So I hope that you are having a good day today. I hope you're enjoying my podcast. If you're enjoying my podcast, um, you can give back. Gratitude is always a good thing. And hit a star on iTunes. It'll take two seconds, and it does make a difference. It's Yes, it's one person hitting a star, but they add up, and it shows other parents that this is a valuable podcast. If you have a few other seconds, find those few other seconds somewhere, It will take you probably literally one minute to write a review. And that also is huge in supporting the podcast. So I appreciate taking the time to do that. So I hope that you find the sparkle in everything you do. I hope you focus on today and not tomorrow. And I'll see you again next Tuesday. Take care. Thank you for listening to AD Parenting Survival Podcast. For more tips and parenting support, visit anxioustoddlers.com.